You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 89, How to Be a Better Observer. In last week's episode, number 88, I talked about the AURA principle of deepening our relationships with people. AURA is an acronym for observing, remembering, and asking. Today, we're going to examine in more detail the first component, O, observing. It's all about how we can understand people better by noticing the clues they give us about what they are feeling and experiencing, all for the purpose of deepening our relationship with the important people in our life. I tried to make the point last week that the Aura Principle is based on the premise that you actually care. If you don't really care, it will come across as manipulation. And it's important to be honest with ourselves, to do a gut check and ask ourselves, do I really care about the person and want to have a deeper relationship with them? Or do I just want to relate to someone to get something from them? Do I want to use them to meet my needs? If the latter is the case, you may just as well stop this recording now and listen to one of those many crime podcasts that are just the rage in the podcast world now. But if you want to deepen your relationship with someone important to you, keep listening. Let's start by talking about the myth of the icebreaker exercise. I've been involved in many situations where icebreakers were used, and I have found that they rarely ever work. They almost never lead to anything, and they're often used when there is really no ice to be broken. Here's an example of one that I've used before. I'll say to a group, Tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Well, I answer with one of three responses, depending on what kind of mood I'm in that day. One response I use is is this. Uh, Most people don't know that I have two birth certificates with two different names. Another response I'll I'll give is, uh, I was once a panelist on a TV show. And the third response I'll sometimes offer is, I once sat in front of a presidential candidate on an airplane. The purpose of the icebreaker exercise is to get people to know each other better. But I rarely ever see that happening in real life. People just don't follow up on the responses that people are given. There's a better technique that I have found that speaks to the issue of observing in that particular skill. And it's what I call the power of bubbles. (laughs) Bubbles. Yeah, this concept of bubbles comes out of the uh, SYIS class. It's uh, an acronym for Sharpening Your Interpersonal Skills. It's a course that's done all over the world. Lots of missionaries have taken this. It's sponsored by, I think the organization is International Training Partners something like that. But it's called Sharpening Your Interpersonal Skills, S-Y-I-S. And here's what they say about bubbles. 
they said, picture a clear, calm lake. And the lake surface is as smooth as glass. But then notice if you see bubbles arising from the bottom of the lake to the top. And when you see bubbles, that's an indication that there is life underneath. It's air. It's air rising to the surface. And they use that metaphor in describing how it is uh, important and uh, very helpful to look for the bubbles in the people that we relate with. What are the signs of life that they are giving off that may not be readily apparent? Where is the life? What are the words that are being used by people to tell us who they really are, what they're feeling? What are the bubbles related to their actions? Where is the life? I remember having a conversation with a missionary one time who talked about growing up in Africa. And he said as a child, they were told that when you go to the river, look for the bubbles because if you see bubbles in the river and it's really quiet, it's really calm, that means there's probably a hippopotamus underneath and they are very dangerous. So bubbles can also show life, but they can also show death. And people give off bubbles all the time. We're always giving off clues. And to deepen our relationship with people, it's just really helpful to be, to be looking for that. That is an important observation technique. Look for the bubbles. It's important to be a detective, as in the old TV show, Monk. Do you remember that show? It was really was one of my favorites. It's about a private detective who has an obsessive-compulsive disorder. He just hated germs. And it was played by the award-winning actor Tony Shalhoubi. He solved crimes by noticing clues that other people missed. He could follow the bubbles. Well, we can too. Be on the lookout for clues that people are giving in what they say and how they act and even what they don't say. I'll give you a a couple of examples of, of what I'm talking about. When I was in college as an undergraduate, I had taken just about all the courses I wanted to take and needed to take. And I was looking for something that was interesting in the world of writing. And there really wasn't anything that was available Uh, And so I created an independent study course, which was not unusual in those days. And I had a great professor that I had actually taken a couple of classes from. And so we designed this course, and I had to write short stories and poems and, you know, stuff like that. And I don't remember how many I had to write, but it was was quite a bit. And the thing that I I really liked about that class is I, because I had to turn in assignments about uh, stories or poems, mostly poetry, I I started to look at everything as a potential poem, and it really developed my observation skills. I remember one Saturday in particular for uh, recreation in those days. Uh, you know, I didn't have any money, and and uh, Jan and I we were we went to college together. I don't know if we got married when we were um, when we were in college. I don't know if we were married yet by this time, but I remember. The uh, form of recreation that we enjoyed was on Saturday mornings going to auctions. Campus where we lived had all these old stately homes, and there was invariably an auction at one of these big old homes. And I remember one in particular that we went to, and it was lots of activity, lots of buzzing around. 
And I remember catching uh, an old lady uh, on the second floor looking out the window, looking at the auctioneer selling all of her stuff, all of her memorabilia, her chip glass bowls, her furniture. And, and I thought, oh, what was that? What must that be like for her? All those, all those memories, all the, all her stuff, had memories attached to them, and they were, they were going to other people, and they were being shipped off in shiny new station wagons. <laughs> and I thought, how sad! How sad that must have been. And so I wrote a poem about it, and I think I got a good grade on it. I won't read it to you; it's not that great a poem, but. It really sharpened my observation skills because I had to turn in an assignment. It wasn't really a noble effort on my part. But it really developed my observation skills uh, about people, about people. And I thought, you know, if I had a relationship with that, with that woman, that's something that I might even bring up with her, if, depending on the level of our, our relationship. So all that to say, look for the, look for the emotion, look for... Look for what you think people are feeling. What are, what are they sad about? What might they be worried about? And then later, when I, when I was an English teacher myself and taught creative writing, I know I've mentioned this before, I would, I would have uh, my students, mostly seniors, we would go to the airport and the zoo. We'd take two field trips a semester, and I would have them just watch people. And after, as they were watching people, to imagine what those people were like. What were they experiencing? What were they feeling? And to use uh, those observation moments to actually explore into the depth of the character of another person, fictionally, of course. But it was a it was a starter anyway. Well, we can do that in real life too. We don't have to we don't have to write stories about people, but we can look for the clues that they are giving us and use our imagination to think about if I were in their shoes. What would I be experiencing? This, these field trips were all about an exercise in curiosity, to exercise our curiosity muscles. Because good writers are good observers of people. And people that relate well with each other are also good observers. More recently, I was at a Christmas party with a, with a bunch of friends, and a bunch of us happened to be in the office of, of, of the husband, the, the man of the house, so to speak. It wasn't a man cave. It was just a regular old office. And he had very interesting things on his, on his bookshelf. And it was, it was uh, interesting how um, those of us in the room were asking him about stuff. He had a couple of photos. He had a football and, and some books. And there was a, a story behind every one of those things. It was an exercise in using our curiosity muscles, exercising those, those muscles <laughs> uh, to really get to know this guy a little better because I didn't know him all that well. But I grew to understand him better in a little deeper depth than I had just by being observant and, and noticing what was on his bookshelf and then hearing the conversation about those. Now, one thing about observations and making observations is to always be tentative. You know, to be open to the possibility that what we are observing and assessments that we are making, that we might be mistaken. I I think to myself sometimes, I wonder if so-and-so is feeling this way, rather than 
I know so-and-so must be feeling this way. There's one caution I have, too, about this in, in terms of body language. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of books were written a while back about how you can really read people and tell people by their body language. And I found that that's often uh, very um, miscalculated and often misinterpreted. You know, for one thing, the, the common, common thing in body language reading is that if you, if you have your arms folded, it means that I'm a really closed off to you, that I'm protecting myself, that I'm, I'm um, maybe upset with you, uh, that I don't trust you. But people are interpreting folded arms that way. I often interpret it as uh, maybe that person's just cold because I fold my arms when I'm cold. And sometimes it's just more comfortable to fold your arms and there's absolutely no meaning attached to it. So be cautious with that. These observation skills that I'm talking about take practice and repetition. Well, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing that I hope you remember from today's episode. And that is... Our relationships deepen as we become better observers of the important people in our life because it gives us important data for relating well with them, which is really the purpose of developing one's observation skills, to relate better with people. Well, here are a few ideas for how we can respond to today's program. One is to ask God to help us to become a better observer of people. Ask him to help us to be more curious about others. Not to be nosy, but to better appreciate what God is perfecting in the character of the people he created. Another way we can respond to today's episode to become a better observer of people is to read good literature, good poems, good short stories good novels. Pay close attention to character development. How do people change? Another thing is we can watch good movies with a critical eye. Use the same principles that we use in reading good literature. Look for the emotion in the characters and in yourself in response to the movie, because that will help us in real life in relating to people. For example, Consider the character George Bailey, you know, the main character in It's a Wonderful Life, and notice how his wife Mary relates to George's anger and his fear at one point in the movie. I talk about this in episode 45. It's entitled uh, Relationship Lessons from the Best Christmas Movie Ever Made. It it really is. George undergoes some interesting uh, changes during the course of that movie. And it's interesting to pick them out and to think about, well, why is George behaving the way he is? Because if we start seeing other characters fictionally and thinking about why are they behaving the way they are, that'll help us in real life in trying to understand the people close to us and why they are behaving the way they behave. Another great movie that I've enjoyed is Lars and the Real Girl. It's a wonderful Ryan Gosling movie. When you watch that, study, study the characters, especially look at Lars. He's the main character, and he has some rather bizarre behavior. Everyone in the movie relates to him in terms of his bizarre behavior, and they just don't know what to do with the guy, and they're put off by him, except one person. 
and she relates to him differently than all the other characters. And because she relates differently, what she does eventually leads him to more healthy relationships and the end of his bizarre behavior. The person who relates differently to Lars is a doctor. She observes things about Lars that the others in the film miss. She took in data that's revealed in the first few minutes of the movie that helped her to understand Lars in ways that the other characters did not. They had the same data she had, but her keen observation skills saw the connection between that data and Lars' bizarre behavior. Everyone else missed it. For me, observing how the doctor related with Lars gave me a powerful insight into human behavior that has helped me in relating to people. So observing the skills others use in relating to people, be it fictional or in real life, is still another thing we can do to apply what we've learned in today's episode. Well, as always, another thing you could do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can put your thoughts in an email and send them to me, John at caringforothers.org. Well, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to, to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And improving your observation skills will take that to an even deeper level. Well, that, that's all for today. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye for now.